Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. Podcast Network listeners, welcome to the most extreme menage to violence you'll ever experience here on the Extreme Three-Way Dance Podcast. We are taking a journey through the history of ECW. Joining me as always on this hardcore traverse is Matt Jenny. How are you guys doing? Hardcore traverse. Mm-hmm. That's that's a traverse. That's a, that's a big word. <laughs> it's actually the name of my car. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's why you know it and I don't. <laughs> Traverse. But it also was used appropriately, I will say. I'll have sure. to take your word for it. What a traverse it's been. Do we need to do an English word of the week as well? <laughs> you oh. know what? It couldn't hurt. <laughs> Look, if you needed to, if you needed to uh, come up with some sort of thing of the week for everything I fuck up, we'd be here all night. So. <laughs> That's true. We need a lot of shows to get through. How dare you? <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, we are back. Our last episode was Barely Legal, 1997, mm-hmm. the first pay-per-views in the books. Uh, Jenny, you left that feeling a little something, huh? I sure did. And uh, a lot of people commented to me, and they, they said, uh, I listened to your Barely Legal episode. I'm sorry, Jenny. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> apologized to me. And I'm like, wow, I must have been really something on that show. Uh, you did, you did seem sad. You seem sad. I was sad. Uh, then I was like, wow, I must be like really taking this really hard. <laughs> I mean, I need to tone it down. But I appreciated uh, everyone concerned about me. Uh, and Matt, how did you leave barely legal feeling? Uh, I, I mean, it wasn't the best show, but. I kind of get it just because it took them so long to get to that point and they had to get through so many hurdles with, you know, the pay-per-view providers, you know, the mass transit incident, all that shit. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of get why it was a very like toned down, watered down, cover your ass type of show. So mm-hmm. I do get it. So, I mean, hopefully we return to form uh, during these episodes and if not during these episodes relatively soon. So we'll see. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
It is time for our English word of the week. I'm trying to go very, uh, like a very American theme. Uh, from Mike. Kid Rock. What says America more than Kid, Kid Rock himself? My goodness. He doesn't speak English. The KID. Um, traverse. Uh, to travel across or through. So uh. was Barely Legal worth the traverse to that point in ECW history? <laughs> Uh, I, I would I, I mean the, it did get them on pay-per-view so uh, yes it, it was worth the Chevrolet Traverse okay. Okay. the Traverse was better than the destination okay well that's uh, it's a rarity I know but here we is okay so let's uh, see how we're going to follow up to that terrible Traverse now <laughs> uh, through that that grind up to uh, Bray Legal, and to see how the company's going to respond now. Are we going to see a more polished product stay? Are they going to go back to their roots? Is Terry Funk going to hang around, right? Like, what's his status as yeah. champion? Is he, uh, you know, we get, I think, why they gave him the belt, why he was the guy, why they paid that journey off, but I'd be curious to see how much the promotion is built around him or others as we go through this, so. Mm-hmm. April 15th, 1997, we open with footage from Terry Funk's Tribute Banquet. It was the night before Billy Legal. Funk is speaking about his legacy. And then we get our opening animation. We head to Joey Styles in the nest. And he says, our first, this is our first program after Billy Legal. He thanks the fans for their support. Uh, and to this point, and everyone that ordered the pay-per-view, for those that can't, couldn't see it due to cable providers, they will be back on pay-per-view on August 17th and hope to have more homes available at that time. At 8.30 p.m., they put on a 30-minute pregame show to prep you for Billy Legal. And for those that didn't get to see it, we're going to relive it tonight. So this whole episode here is the 30-minute pregame show (laughs) for Billy Legal. Uh, I get why they did this on a couple levels. They usually tape the new TV the same weekend as the big arena show, which I'm guessing because of the pay-per-view slot, they didn't do that. So they needed to buy themselves a little bit of time. But I also get it as like a as a way to envelop folks that maybe didn't order and maybe just watch this to see what the hype was all about. You know, we know they'll be dealing with the fallout a lot. So I thought this was like a good palate cleanser way to approach things, given they probably just didn't have much fresh content to show. They didn't have an ECW arena show to, to you know, put on there because they had done the pay-per-view. So um, let's get through it and then we'll get you guys thoughts on how the direction went. We get a highlight package on Shane Douglas, Pitbulls and the masked man. Jerry, uh, Joey then narrates stills of that match between Shane Douglas and Pitbull 2, which was not high on our list of must-sees <laughs> from that show. Uh, Joey's in with Rick Rude after Billy Legal. We've been, of course, revealed at Billy Legal that it was Rick Rude. Rude says April 13th is come and gone, and you can't always get what you want. He wanted Douglas to lose his TV title and for him and Francine to be Splitsville, but she's got one foot in Brian Lee's bed and another on a banana peel. He did get what he needed, though, and that was to fuck with the franchise, rip that stinky mask off his face, and one more thing he has to do is let Shane Douglas know there is more in store for him, Matt. So what did you think of this uh, promo by Rude? It's kind of our first official Rick Rude promo without the mask and, you know, fully – we all knew, but it's fully admitting who it is right. here. Uh, I'm, ju- I'm glad I don't have to call him the masked man anymore because oh, I, no, I hated writing it. I did, too. <laughs> like it, it was, you know, ECW's worst kept secret that it was Rick Rude under the mask. Like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, it was Rick Rude. You don't say who could have possibly seen that coming. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was a good first promo. And I'm curious if he's going to stick around, you know, because he, he did say that he basically got what he needed. And that was to mm-hmm. fuck with the franchise. Is he just going to leave or is he going to stick around and just keep fucking with him? So we'll see. 
Buck with the franchise is a great <laughs> phrase. I really mm-hmm. like that. I have a feeling that Rick Rude is going to drop a lot of really good phrases on us. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's time here at ECW. <laughs> uh, I, too, wonder how long this will last. Um, but super interesting. I mean, he seems, you know, he doesn't seem washed up. He doesn't seem, you know, he seems sharp and in good health and good shape. So, I don't know some opportunities all right well let's see where it goes i mean we don't he looks great like you said but is he able to compete right we know he's always been right. one of those guys that's got the insurance policy uh he's been injured so is he going to be able to actually get in the ring or uh is he just going to be a mouthpiece for someone or something beyond that so let's see we get a highlight package from the eliminators dudley's match added from the pre-show we then get joey narrating stills of the eliminators dudley's the um, triple threat match, and then the main event between Terry Funk and Raven. We then get the Taz Sabu highlight package from the pre-show, as well as Joey narrating stills of Taz and Sabu. We then go backstage where Fonzie is with us. He says he bet every penny he had on Sabu because he knew Taz wasn't man enough, and he had taught Fonzie everything he knew. He was just a loser before they met. Fonzie wants to know how he's going to pay for his escorts now. He says Taz owes him. He hates him, and he'll wipe his ass with him. Income RVD and Sabu. RVD asks, why do we have all this hostility? And tells Taz, Chris Candido, and anyone else that wants them to come to Fonzie that they are taking bookings for any Friday or Saturday night. And he's even negotiating Monday nights as well because he's Rob Van Dam. Uh, all right, Jenny, what did you think of uh, this turn here? You know, we talked about Fonzie going with Sabu and RVD over Taz. You still feeling all right about it? You're not feeling all right about it? Where are we at on this? I'm mostly annoyed. I mean, I was just like, oh, God, he's their manager now. Like, it's even more annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I, <laughs> I try not to think about Fonzie at all. And <laughs> I, when I do, I just hear his whistle in my head. And I don't know. I would prefer him not be there. But I guess it's fine that we're doing that, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it feels like, I don't know if it's necessarily a natural progression, but I feel like Taz didn't really need Fonzie mm-hmm. anymore, so it makes sense to move him off of Taz. Uh, should they have moved him onto RVD and Sabu? Uh, I don't know, like, maybe he would have been better served, you know, managing somebody else who doesn't really need him, like, a I don't know, a Louis Spicoli or something. Yeah. But uh, I do love how he's saying, how am I going to pay for all my things, my escorts and everything? <laughs> I thought that was just that was great, funny. That was a great line out of him. But, uh, yeah, I love how he puts all his money on Sabu and he taught Tats everything he he knows. I thought that was a great line, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I I am on the opposite end of the uh, spectrum from Jenny. I find Fonzie wildly entertaining. Uh, oh, the, voice is, the voice is annoying. The whistle is annoying. <laughs> but I, I think what he says is very entertaining to me. I just love that he's blaming Taz for winning instead of Sabu for losing him. (laughs) (laughs) So backwards. I bet against you, but you had the balls to win. Why? (laughs) Pretty funny. All right, we go backstage with Taz now. We thank Sabu for being, uh, it's beeped. I don't know if he said bitch, who knows, uh, that he knew he was. And he loved it. He told Sabu he would bust him up, hook his hold, and choke him out. And he did all those things. Look at Sabu laying in blood busted up. He extended his hands to show respect for having a good match, but Sabu hoodwinked him. But he loves it because now he's got a reason to fuel his fire even more. Then his puppet with his long prissy hair came out and attacked him from behind. And it's really good that RVD is getting practice as a puppet because that's where he's going to be when he's done. RVD may be wrestling on Monday nights quicker than even he thought. 
Fonzie thinks he got one over on him, but he really fucked up. Fonzie thinks he knows Taz, but he never needed him or anybody else. Team Taz, any wrestlers or fans. He's not some hokey babyface that needs support. He's just an athlete with ability and an attitude, and he only needs Sabu to keep him going. Fuel for a Sherman tank. He will save Fonzie, tearing him two conceited, I, I guess, assholes uh, that won't have anyone's back, including each other. He loves games, and he's ready to play. And uh, Matt, this is another great Taz promo. Um, just been on fire going into pretty legal and it seems like he's not going to let up coming out. Yeah. Uh, more awesome stuff from Taz. Uh, I love the line where he says that he's a Sherman tank and Sabu is the fuel. I thought that was a great line. Mm-hmm. And look, he, he brings up a, a great point and you know, RVD and Sabu don't have each other's back. So why would they have Fonzie's? I thought that was a, that was a great point that he made. So yeah, I mean, Taz, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Taz is on fire and it looks like it's going to keep continuing after barely legal. So I'm glad to see that he still has that fire and he's going to keep that going after the match with uh, Sabu. Jenny. I would agree. This was really good. Um, he, I liked him saying that he loved being right about Sabu. Like he was just, he's just taking, you know, everything that they do to him and using it as fuel, you know, in his, in his, what is it? Rage, something rage. <laughs> anyway, path of rage. Yeah. Path of rage. I'm path sure. of rage. Um, so it's perfect. Now he doesn't have to fuck with anybody else and he can just do whatever he wants. All right, we go back to Joey. He says when he was 14 years old, he had the notion that he could be a pro wrestling announcer, and everyone told him to forget about it. But he thanks all the fans that have supported ECW since the beginning, all the wrestlers that have worked for ECW and everyone behind the scenes, Paul Heyman, who returned his phone call and gave him a job when no one else would, and Barely Legal, the greatest night of his life. And that will be said by many in the locker room, and it's just beginning. We then get Heyman backstage, uh, and he admits he's the executive producer of ECW and wishes there are words that could begin to describe the level of appreciation the company has for the fans that have supported them to this point and that they could even dare to try this and gives a final thank you to all. We then wrap up with a highlight package set to This is Extreme by Harry Slash of the Slash Tones. Uh, Jenny, what do you think of this final stretch here with the, you know, Heyman, thank you. And then uh, the video to wrap it up. Oh, my God. It was it was so cute. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. Joey was so adorable. And he almost made me cry because um, I felt like he was being so sincere and so real. And and I loved uh, when Heyman came on, they filmed it like they would a promo. <laughs> um, so instead of him, like, you know, kind of <clears throat> breaking kayfabe or anything, he kind of kept it. Uh, ECW with his thank you. It was almost aggressive, um, but that's why I liked it. So <laughs> it was so sweet. I loved it. Like all the all the emotion behind it, and I feel like they mean it, and I feel like they're ready for the next step. Yeah, uh, genuine is the word I would use too. You could tell that this meant a lot to Joey, to Heyman, to really to everybody, and backstory. Genuine is not a thing that always comes out of him. Mm-hmm. So. That- that was good to see. So, uh, yeah, this was really well done and it's, uh, nice to be thanked. They, you know, they thank the wrestlers. They see, you know, Joey saying barely legal was the best night of his life, which mm-hmm. is probably, that was so sweet. probably true <laughs> to that point for sure. Right. So yeah. Awesome stuff. All right. So that wraps up that episode overall, which I think is pretty good. What did you guys think of end up using the pre-show to kind of bridge across this format? I mean, I guess I'm kind of used to, 
that style with them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just, I only asked you guys like immediately, is this a recap show or not? Because if not, I'm skipping it because I had like eight episodes to watch. (laughs) Um, At first, I was a little bit disappointed that um, I couldn't skip through it, but I'm glad that they put it together and did the thank yous. Yeah, I I mean, they were in a tough spot. Like you mentioned, they haven't had an arena show. So I'd rather they do something like this than just showing filler matches from some random show and chicken screw wherever. Right. I'd I'd rather they do something this that was actually related to the pay-per-view than just show random matches and talk about it. So. Yeah, I think it was a good way to go about it. I mean, it was such a big show for them. They spent so much time building it, giving one last refresh. Because don't forget, too, like, there might have been people that were maybe had just heard about it and now tuned in to the TV or whatever. And, like, this is a recap of here's everything and where we stand now. So mm-hmm. I think it was, like, a good almost just coda to the pay-per-view. And now on this next one, April 22nd, is really, like, the kickoff to the next leg of ECW promotion so that was just uh, you know let's put the bow on it here's how we got there here's kind of what happened i like that they didn't give things away because you mm-hmm. know they were still hyping the replay and all that so mm-hmm. obviously they want you to order the replay or buy the tape when it comes out so they weren't going to give much away on tv at this point for that show so and i may even been an agreement who knows with the pay-per-view companies like not to air it on tv right in the, in the coming weeks they really don't so which would be a standard of course of theirs to, to air the arena stuff so <laughs> All right, let's fast forward ahead to April 22nd, 1997. Rick Rude is backstage. He says, Shane thought he found him somewhere over the rainbow. But enter the Wicked Witch and the Triple Threat is now Splitsville. As Brian Lee and Francine have the hots for each other. Douglas can't just click his heels and make everything good. There's no Oz to get him out of this jam. Douglas is just a boil on the ass of life. And Rude is the Oxy-5. <laughs> Jenny, would you miss Star What the fuck? He was mixing all of his shit because then mm-hmm. he was talking about Over the Rainbow and then Neverland. Like, that's not the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I got his point and it was well delivered. It was just, <laughs> I was distracted. A lot of mixed metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brian Lee has the hots for Francine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Doesn't everybody, but okay. Um, oh, Lord, Matt. Uh, I, I think Rude had, like, just watched The Wizard of Oz the day before. <laughs> Maybe. And just just Vince des- watched it for the first time. <laughs> right. And then just decided to uh, base this promo just around everything, as wrong as it was. So, yeah, I mean, it just it, great and powerful Oz. He called himself the Wicked Witch of the West, which... <laughs> Boy, that's not great. Uh, and, and then him calling Shane a boil on the booty of life, I thought was yeah. very good. But yeah, uh, maybe don't watch Wizard of Oz before you cut your next promo. Just going to put that out there. Or do. Or do. I mean, or do. Deep, I mean, he made his deep dive into the whole yeah. theory, you know? <laughs> I may be a flying monkey, Shane, but let me tell you. The Lee and Francine thing's interesting because it's hard to tell if it's just rude trolling or if they're really trying to say, like, Lee sold out, you know, mm-hmm. took the payday, ended the triple threat, and it is because he wants for it. Like, it's, or is it just rude, like, playing more mind games? Like, we'll have to see if that plays out at all, but. Yeah, it's pretty smart, the way he laid it out there. Mm-hmm. All right, we get our opening animation, then we get Joey in the nest. He talks about the issues between Shane and Rude. We get some stills. We're suddenly getting loud music with lyrics out of the bits as well. <laughs> so, it felt like a next level in production. I couldn't tell, though, if, like, it's the network dub that put the music even louder than it should have been. I'm guessing it was. That's what I think too. Um, they probably had to 
put it to drown it out. So it was like really distracting. Uh, but just the idea of having music is new because a lot of usually this was all kind of quiet with Joey. Joey says the triple threat's no more, and we'll have footage later of an incident in, uh, involving Chris Candido. So more to come on that. We didn't get Shane Douglas and Francine backstage. Shane says Rude's not man enough to take Francine. Rude's the one who had his, has the muscles, but he isn't man enough to show them off anymore. Franchise is something he once was, but now all Rude has is faded memories. And what pains him most is what he sees at night and dreams about. Francine is something he could have had six years ago, and he could have been man enough to challenge for the TV title. But today, Rude is a shell of himself, 50 pounds lighter, three inches lost, 16 pounds gone, and not man enough to take Francine. He sends people instead to do his dirty work like Brian Lee, stabbed him in the back for money because Rude's not man enough to do it himself. Rude thinks he's a step ahead, but he really just stepped into a trap because what Rude sees in the mirror is that he's good for nothing, Jenny. So, again, this is a really good Shane promo. Seems like everyone's got the promo boots on coming out of the pay-per-view. Fuck yeah! And, look, he was flexing. He was holding up the belt like he was shirtless. And it was intense. It was Mm -hmm. very good. He's very good at these sort of clapback promos. Um, and I mean, the, the content is a little tired as far as, you know, like motivation wise, but I mean, he sells it well enough and it's believable enough. So I'm not mad at it, Maddie. Yeah. Uh, more great stuff from Shane, but I, and we've already mentioned it. Like it definitely seems like they are setting up a Shane Douglas versus Rick Rude match. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, if Rude can't go, like, and I and I don't know if he ever wrestles a match in ECW. I have no idea. But if he can't go, what's the end game for this Shane Douglas Rick Rude thing? Right. Yeah. Is it going to be just Rick Rude fucking with him every week? Which right. I mean, it's fine, but it would probably get old if we see like three months of that, you know. So I, I find myself after this promo kind of wondering where all this is going. Like, is is well, Rude even if it was up? like it right. could have ended here with like. He paid Lee, he ruined the triple threat, and, like, that's enough. You know what I mean? Like, he did his job. I think what we really would do is if he helped Pitbull, too, win the TV title. But, obviously, they they don't want to go that route, right? So, they're kind of stuck. Yeah, so, it's interesting. I mean, mean, maybe they have Rude manage somebody else, and that Mm -hmm. guy takes the title off of... I feel like it has to be something like... It has to be something more than Rude just, quote-unquote, fucking with him every week. So, we'll see. And like you said, Jenny, too, he is great at the clapback promo, but he's also really good at, like, the delusional spin where he'll turn yes. anything that was bad, to, like, a, anything bad that happens to him, he will put it in, like, a, a way that it mm-hmm. was, like, either his plan or, yeah, yeah. you know, it, you why it worked out. He yeah. wanted it to happen. Like, yeah. so he's really good at that, too. Yeah, he is. All right, we got a classic Terry Funk clip, and that is Bobby Eaton and Sabu fighting Arn Anderson and Terry Funk from a couple of years ago in ECW. Joey's in the nest. He jokes that Eric Bischoff uh, in his AWA days must have been calling that last clip. And then uh, because it was that, um, what's his name? Who's the guy, Jen? Do you remember when, when Joey was out? Oh shit. It uh, wasn't Jay Sully, right? Cause he was gone already. I think. No. I forget who it was. It was that weird guy. Remember with the like yeah. very serious voice. Anyway, I think it's, I think that's what the Sucked. joke was meant to be. Yeah, he uh, he wasn't that good. Um, he says Terry Funk is already signed for a series of title defenses, and Dreamer and Funk are both at the Double Cross Ranch recovering. 
and Raven is furious. And we go to Raven backstage. He says they took everything he had, his woman, his nest, his cult, his following, the devotion he's controlled. And now he truly has nothing left to live for except to take Funk and Dreamer with him. He tells Stevie Richards to come back to him. He says he's welcome and wanted. He's proud of him earning his keep. And it's time for one final mission, for them to burn the ECW to the ground, take out Terry Funk, and kill the dream. All is forgiven, Stevie. It's time to come home. Raven misses you. And Stevie will always be forgiven, Matt. It does is again good stuff. More mind games for Raven trying to get Stevie back. Um, actually, let's hit the Stevie promo, then you can give thoughts on both of them. So Stevie's in a master control room. He says he'll never forgive Raven. Every victory he scores is a victory against the people who picked him last up a kickball. The girls that laughed and snickered in high school. The tough guys in the locker room that said he'll never amount to anything, brother. And that they're all victories against Raven, who made him feel like he was picked last, ridiculed, and never thought he would amount to anything in life. Every person he Stevie kicks is a win over Raven, and jealousy has many faces, but none wear a smile. So it's good to finally get Stevie's mindset too, Matt, mm-hmm. in all this. Um, and it seems like maybe we're not quite done yet with Raven and Stevie. Uh, you know, I think we'll get to mind games here as, as Raven tries to bait him back for reasons unknown so far. And we'll see if Stevie can stay strong enough to avoid it. But what do you think of these two promos? Uh, it was fucking great here. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that, you know, he says he has nothing left to live for except to take the <laughs> Like, it's, it's like... Uh, he lost everything. He has nothing left and he has no fucking idea how to deal with it type of, that's what I kind of felt. So I, I, I thought he was great here and because he's so angry, he wants to take ECW down with him. So I, I thought that was great. And I like that, you know, Stevie is at least right now, it doesn't look like he's going to go back to Raven. So that's good. You know, mm-hmm. give Stevie more of a rub in this main event spotlight that he's been getting. So, and I thought uh, Stevie had the great line with jealousy has many faces, none wear a smile. I, I thought that was a, uh, that was a great line. So I'm glad that they're, they're still feuding. They're not putting them back together. Cause I, I think that would have been a mistake at this point. So uh, yeah, good stuff here, Jenny. I always wonder like, with this Raven and Stevie thing, like when he split off and started the BWO, um, did they intend to do this? You know, like, was it the long-term booking to have, you know, questionable Stevie, you know, alliances and to come back and, and fight Raven? Because if so, that's very, very smart. And if not, it's it's smart of them to see it, you know, to to build on what they've already done with Raven and Stevie. Um, but yes, this was very good. Um, emo cell. He looked like he was in a cell <laughs> in, the, in the jail. Um, promo. All is forgiven, he says. It, it's it's so interesting what Raven does. Like mm-hmm. all these little mind games, you know, all these little digs these things that he knows are gonna sit on stevie's mind and can fuck with him um and he just keeps pulling them out like he just keeps finding new ways to do that and now forgiveness is the way so i sort of love that layer and it's hard to follow a raven promo but stevie does pretty well i thought he he is really he used to be just like shaking his ass you know and having comedy matches and now he's like toe-to-toe with raven with these promos which is hard but he's doing well he's i don't know he's really really grown and i've really really enjoyed this new like serious side to him yeah no he's been really good um i don't i don't know the 
backstage stories on this, but mm-hmm. I don't think the BWO is ever supposed to get over at all. Like, I don't think there was yeah. any plans for mm-hmm. Stevie to break off and become like, I just think they got so over in their role that they ran with it. They were like, okay, mm-hmm. like, let's make something of this because so the they're making all this shit way. and tying yeah. it back. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there was ever, I mean, maybe, but I, I would doubt that there was a plan to go this route with it because they were just, the BWO was just like another goofy parody gimmick. Remember, they were doing mm-hmm. all those other parody ones. So I don't think it was supposed to get over like it did. And it just, it just happened to, to catch fire. So I think this was all kind of on the fly stuff, but. That's even more fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah. I don't know. It feels that way to me. Like, I don't, I can't imagine any world they thought that thing would get over. <laughs> right. That's true. That is true. All right, Joey says they're still awaiting lawyer clearance to show footage of the Candido incident, but he talks about the issues between the FBI and Chris Chetty firing up even more before barely legal. Chetty brought JT Smith back to the team against the FBI, but Smith's return is for one night only. The FBI is still standing strong and have a contract out on Chetty's head. Guido may be as young as Chetty, but he has Smothers and Rich tutoring him, says Joey. And that brings us to our Italian lesson of the week. Yes, can't wait. I am ready. I, I assume you traversed Italy to find this <laughs> word, so I'm, I'm very excited. Did I ever. <laughs> Tonight's word or phrase is Madonna Santa. <laughs> Maybe I should have this one for Christmas, but Madonna Santa. Madonna Santa. Madonna Santa means good God, uh, but literally means Saint Madonna. And Madonna, Saint- of course, is the statue of uh, Saint Mary. But uh, when you use it, it's meant to basically say, say, good God. Madonna. That statue, that statue makes her look like a virgin. It's, oh, okay. <laughs> that was a Madonna joke. <laughs> Not bad. Thank you. <laughs> Madonna Santa. <laughs> that. Use that as a joke. I wish Joey would yell that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty good. Madonna Santa! What a punch! <laughs> All right, to the ring we go. Chris Chetty and Spike Dudley are here to take on Little Guido and Tracy Smothers. The FBI are waiting in the ring. Out comes Spike. Chetty's behind him. Joey says if Chetty thinks he can control Spike, he's in for a big surprise. He also says Smothers was one of the Southern boys. And how can he be a possibly be Italian now? <laughs> the FBI all hug as Joey puts over Guido's resume. Guido and Chetty get started with a quick back and forth flurry of takedowns and pin attempts into a Chetty armbar. Spike comes in and keeps the arm work going. He and Chetty work quick tags and pressure the arm. Guido escapes and tags, and Spike and Chetty grab Smothers' arms now as well. Tracy knees free, gets to work and taking apart Spike with hard strikes. Spike comes back with a pair of head scissors takedowns and goes up top with a high cross body, but Smothers rolls through for two. Spike rolls him up for two as he argues and goes to a side headlock. The FBI end out on the floor, convening, and Chetty flies into the plancha to a pop. Spike pegs him with a baseball side, and he and Chetty are fired up. Tracy comes back in and Spike lands a forearm as he hits the ropes, but Rich yanks the top rope down and he tumbles to the floor. Rich throws him into the barricade and then on top of it, 
The FBI quick tag and batter Spike with strikes and some double teams. They push through comeback attempts to keep the pressure on Spike, but he keeps escaping pit attempts. Spike pulls himself up, but eats a strong back fist and a leg lariat from Tracy. The beating rolls on, but the FBI can't finish. Spike gets the knees up on a splash and tags Chetty, who knifes through the FBI with a flurry. Chetty hits a somersault leg drop off the top on Smothers, but Guido makes a save. All four start brawling with the FBI taking control quickly. Tracy hits the top rope jawjacker on Spike as Rich gets involved and holds Chetty, but he backdrops Smothers to the floor when he charges. Rich clotheslines Guido by accident, and Chetty cradles Guido for the win. So I had this a pretty fun tag. Uh, I had a clean flow, a lot of good quick tags and double teams. It was a little long, but like it never got boring. It just kind of moved along. The FBI stooge their way to another loss, and Chetty suddenly kind of heating up, Jenny. I went two and a half stars in the match. I did two and a half stars as well. Um, I liked during the intros, Joey <laughs> called a uh, half-blooded Dudley. <laughs> he didn't know what to, what to call him, so that was funny. Um, and then Smothers' Italian shuffle thrust move that he was <laughs> dancing with. I don't know what that was about. Um, Spike and Smothers was a surprisingly fun little um, duo to watch in this match. I don't know. You called out Chetty, but I would call out Spike a little mm. bit. Um, I like the FBI in their green. I'm not sure if we've seen them in the green before, but it definitely pops uh, in the arena. Um, Chetty does look good, though. That plancha to the floor was pretty sick, and he does that pretty quick <laughs> in the match. Like, he goes pretty balls to the wall. But, yeah, it was it was a fun little tag match. Um, I like the his somersault leg drop, too, Chetty's, but... Spike was interesting for me in this one. Um, Maddie, what do you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you guys, two and a half. Uh, I, I thought it was uh, better than I was expecting and really mm-hmm. better than it really had any right to be. You're right. Like, you, look at, you look at this match on paper, it's like, good boy, this, this, this could be rough. But, I, you know, I, I think it was pretty good for what it was. The crowd was hot for it. There was a lot of uh, – they kept a good pace, a lot of fast holds at the beginning. I thought Chetty, like you guys said, looked really good. Spike also looked great. So, yeah, uh, way better than I was expecting when I saw that uh, Guido and Smothers versus Chetty and spike <laughs> was about to happen so yeah two and a half all right style says la vendetta continues between these sides because this is own italian word of the week right there <laughs> when we come back we get the candido we will get the candido footage featuring a member of his personal life we didn't get another classic terry funk moment at the return of the funker in 95 when he came back <laughs> what do y'all think about those with sandman um I don't know. I get it. It's supposed to be like tribute moments, but it also feels like a way to remind us he's champion while he's not here. Yes, that's right. Yep. Like this is how they have him champion. They just play right. clips of his shit. Right. It's weird. It was definitely a concern of mine when they went this route, um, going for the the moment to give him the kind of lifetime achievement as you know a big name to win the title and that make that a special moment. But was he going to really commit to another full time run here or not? So. I'm sorry. All it looks like is that this man has passed away, not that he is there. Yep. That's <laughs> true. Uh, all right. Styles is in the nest and says there's a documentary in the works about the inside of the wrestling business, including a day in the life of Chris Candido. Earlier tonight, he was entering the building with a member of his personal life, and we caught it on tape. And he would have been happier if it wasn't. So we see footage, and it is Candido with Sonny complaining Ooh. about being left up barely legal and everything that happened to Brian Lee. 
Sonny's trying to calm him down and take his blood pressure pills. His usual wild Candido ranting around. <laughs> in comes RVD and he grabs Sonny's ass. Candido attacks him and gets pulled apart by the wrestlers. And RVD says, all disrespect and deadness. <laughs> which is just a great line. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. I, th- I thought it was kind of cool that they got to use Sonny for this. Um, I thought she felt right at home, honestly, in this in this setting. I thought she, her and Candido obviously have good chemistry, so that played off well. Um, so I like this little segment, Matt. That was pretty good. A day in the life with Chris Candido. <laughs> All right, so good. I meant to say this, too. I wonder if the documentary he was talking about is the one that Man Mountain Rock or whatever, Max Payne, was. remember that? footage he was doing backstage he shot a bunch of footage and guys didn't know or something and i mean him what? and candido i think might have been good friends i think I, I don't know i'm curious that that was what this was about see i you was thinking about, i i have i've never heard that before you never heard the man mountain rock uh no he he like he filmed a bunch of stuff it was like on a european tour or something and he got all this backstage wf locker room footage and then they ended up, like, blocking him from ever releasing it. But Jesus. I think a few clips got out. Huh. If you look for it, it's out there somewhere. But See, I was thinking it was Beyond the Mat. Because oh. they, filmed, they filled, filmed some stuff at Barely Legal for Beyond the Mat, if you remember. That makes like, a back, lot like, more sense. Like backstage <laughs> stuff. Yeah. That was what I thought. But, I mean, it could be the Man Mountain Rock tape. <laughs> no, no, you're 100%. I think you're right. <laughs> You definitely had a dream about that. that no, that's good. real. It is real. And it would have been not that long after this, but I'm after this podcast, I'm going to Google search man mountain <laughs> rock in 2022. That's a thing that I didn't think was going to happen. Yes. But yes. that yeah. was really a thing that happened for sure. But you're right. <laughs> it had to be beyond the map because yes, they do film a bunch of stuff at, um, barely legal. You're right. They're backstage all through that. I don't know if that's the same as if like they filmed stuff for Candido originally for that maybe as well. Mm. Or if that's another separate thing, but yeah, it's 100% what they're talking about. So uh, yeah, uh, a day in the life with Chris Candido. Uh, how how much cocaine is involved in, with uh, with with a day in the life of Chris Candido? Uh, I, I did find it interesting that not once did they mention the name Sonny during this entire mm-hmm. thing. Uh, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. They couldn't me, legally, right? Right, they absolutely couldn't. So well, and uh, this is where this whole thing is kludgy, right? Because like. They clearly have an agreement with WF. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they've appeared on TV. They're lending Sonny. Like, she's not there if, they, if they're not allowing it. So Right. So it's interesting to me that, yeah, they wouldn't use her name. Like, I don't think it's a legal thing because WF wouldn't. So I think it's like a fake legal thing that they're trying right. to yeah, make it seem that, more yeah. edgy. Mm-hmm. I like so, it. Yeah, uh, I I thought this was really well. I thought Candido's reaction to RVD uh, grabbing Sonny's ass was fantastic. He just pushes him into this <laughs> hockey, these random hockey boards that are over there, yes, somewhere in this building. So, and RVD's reaction was just about what I expected RVD to say. So this was pretty well done, Jenny. I I liked it too. Um, <laughs> just uh, would would you guys um trade? Um, <laughs> trade lives with Chris Cantito uh, in this time frame for a day. This time frame, yes. In for this a day, time, yes. Yeah. yeah. For a day, had, yeah. Yeah, I had a feeling. I mean, um, well, maybe like a year earlier, 
before he probably was aware that Sonny's being passed around by Shovel okay. and everybody <laughs> right. else. The stress seems like a lot. Yeah, there is so maybe like early 96 would be a little more comfortable. There is that, yeah. Like, what's he getting so worked up about, anyway? He's um, out of his mind. Yeah. It's the blow. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was random, but I enjoyed it. All disrespect intended is a great yep. one, especially it with RVD's delivery. <laughs> All right, Style says, Douglas and Francine have taken a trip to a remote location to issue an offer to a potential new member of the Triple Threat. Since Lee took Rude's money, Lee is gone. Douglas is away, and Candido is alone with one arm. Styles is, well, he's sure to never actually say Sonny's name here, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew Lee was going soon. I, I'm guessing we're done with him, um, because he mm-hmm. is in Dodi F by, 90, by July, so... There's probably maybe talks already, I guess, maybe, potentially, or June. I figure when the DOA shows up, maybe June. So uh, it looks like his run has come to an end. Uh, I, I always enjoy Lee quite Me a bit, too. actually. Yeah. I, I thought he was pretty good in the Triple Threat and overall. So uh, I'm fine with it being a new era of Triple Threat, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, Lee's work was definitely way – I enjoyed it way more than I expected to coming in. So Same. All right, Candido's in the ring. He calls out RVD for his actions. RVD and Sabu showed up and beat down Candido. Taz eventually showed up and made the save. Candido stumbled around and offered his hand to Taz, but Taz just suplexes him instead. And Candido's still ranting as he rolls out to safety. So kind of another Candido incident here. Matt, pretty quick hitter just to show Taz is still a badass. Uh, and Candido was a man alone on this night. Uh, Taz is a very angry man, uh, rightfully so. And it would appear he's going to take it out on just about everybody, even if they're trying to help the man. So mm-hmm. uh, stay the fuck out of Taz's way would be my my advice. Uh, 1997 ECW roster, because it's not going to end well for you. No, the, uh, he has a lot of pent up aggression. So um, I don't know. It was good, but. um. Yeah. That's it. Oh fuck! Sorry, I I muted myself. Sorry. Oh, I was say that was quite <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I always enjoy a uh, little fan cam footage as well. So. Okay. All right. We get a recap of Taz's promo from last week. Styles asks why anyone would intentionally anger Taz and says he's a miserable, angry SOB every minute of the day. And he enjoys dropping people on their heads after stretching them. And he would not want to be Van Damme, Sabu, or Fonzie right now. Go back to the ring for our next match. And that is Balls Mahoney. Dig it. Yeah. Taking on Corporal Punishment. <laughs> looks to be maybe a new jobber here. Uh, Joey says Ball swings a chair harder than anyone in the industry. Uh, Corp looks like a hot mess. He's got camo, <laughs> but he's got camo paint on his face. He's kind of sloppy looking. Uh, we get a good pop for Balls. Balls works through some quick offense and grabs the arm. Corporal lands a couple of boots, but Balls slugs right back into it. Knocks Corp outside with a spin kick. Of course, Corporal Punishment messed up the bump on his way out. Balls grabs a chair to a huge pop and just destroys Corporal Punishment with it multiple times. Somehow, this guy comes back and throws Balls into the railing, uh, but he's rattled pretty bad. Corporal Punishment hits a sledge off the top. It gets in some strikes. He's starting to cobble together a little offense. He misses an elbow, though. Balls slugs away and finishes after crotching Corp across the top rope and hitting a top rope elbow. So basically a squash. Corp tried, but he had no chance. There's some ugly chair shots and a bunch of strikes. Jenny, I want a star and a quarter here. Star and a quarter. Uh, so I did one and a half just because I like 
balls. Mm -hmm. um, but this reminded me of um, some of those MSG matches I watched for Place to Be. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you got that vibe there, Justin, but yeah, um, yeah, just because of like a little sloppy gimmick um, with Mr. Punishment here, oh, Corporal Punishment. Um, but I, I love how over Balls is, and I love his ripped up jeans, like they're halfway falling off of him. He looks crazy and wild, and I enjoyed this for what it was, Matt. Uh, boy, punishment is awful. Holy hell, <laughs> he's 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 really bad. Uh, the gimmick is right out of 1993 ECW. With it's just it like like it feels like a, a Damian Kane type of thing. Remember him? How Remember dare when you? he was. <laughs> Uh, he fucks up a backdrop at one point. Balls just crushes him with a chair shot. Joey at one point had a great line. He said he may have earned his purple heart tonight. I thought that was <laughs> a fantastic line. Uh, punish he kind of punishment kind of moves around the ring like a freshly birthed deer. <laughs> he's just he's just real. He's lanky. He looks like shit. He's got this awful like shit smeared looking face paint. He's just <laughs> he's terrible. Uh, I mean he takes a good ass kicking because balls kick the shit out of him. But yeah. yeah, probably a bit too long for what they were trying to do here too. So uh, yeah, I only want a star on it. All right, we get another classic Funk moment. It's him uh, baiting in Cactus Jack to come fight. Pretty infamous scene there. We then get our final segment. It's Joey's in the nest. He recaps the Candido incident again. Says he's happy that Paulie's dad is a lawyer. And Paul says off camera, me too. We then get Fonzie, RVD, and Sabu backstage. They rant about Taz some more. Fonzie says Taz always goes home and cries when he gets hurt. But Sabu fights through it, and he's cashing huge checks in Japan. Fonzie hates Taz, and he owns him. RVD comes in and says they're family and then tells promoters to check out his highlights Says he's available for any Monday night wrestling shows. And he's looking forward to taking it a little bit easier on those nights. He doesn't need to be scarred or sliced up. And he tells us that pissed off Sabu. There's nothing wrong with that though. And he says that he and Fonzie will take care of Taz for him before telling promoters to call him as we fade out. I, I, RVD is awesome here. Um, I'm really liking the way this is developing. I'm curious to see how far they go with it. But him constantly telling the promoters to call him, um, um, kind of shitting on ECW, but then Sabu getting mad and him kind of appeasing Sabu is uh, really funny. He's like, oh, no, no, you know, there's nothing wrong with being scarred up, but we don't have to. Um, really, really good. He's, it seems like he's really kind of landed on something pretty good here, Matt. Yeah, he, he was fantastic during this. You know, that was kind of the thing about RVD is we knew he had this cockiness. But and he, he's obviously great in the ring, but the character wasn't always there and the mic skills weren't necessarily always there in some of the early stuff we've seen from him. But he is really leaning into this, you know, I want to wrestle on Monday nights thing and it is working for him. He's been mm -hmm. fantastic during this entire thing with him saying, you know, the scars are OK. And oh, oh, this highlight package. Oh, it was meant for the Monday night wrestling shows. Yeah, just fantastic stuff from RVD, Jenny. I like he does it. He goes into business for himself, like in the middle of comforting Fonzie. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> he's just so fake with them, and it's mm -hmm. hilarious. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. He's he's really quickly, like very quickly, um, mm -hmm. gotten this idea over, um, and he's using his promo time very well. All right, let's get to our awards quickly here, and then we'll move on to the next episode. Uh, best match. FBI, Chetty, Spike. Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. Worst match, uh, Mahoney and Corp. Sorry, yep. balls. Best moment to me was the Candido Sunny video. Yep. Yep. That was really good. 
most nineties and with peak sunny. <laughs> but as nineties oh. as it gets. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I don't think I had anything for this, so I'll allow it. Stock rising, I had Raven, Richards, Taz, and Van Dam. Mm, Candido? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. FBI, <laughs> I guess. Spike. I would put Spike in there. All right, stock falling, I went triple threat, who are now apparently dead, and the <laughs> corporal punishment. Oh, yeah. Uh, put Corporal Punishment's name down twice. <laughs> uh, final grade, I ended up going five and a half out of ten. This felt like a pretty average show. In some ways, it felt like a little bit of a reboot on stuff, but we also have mm-hmm. still some lingering issues. So it feels like maybe we're starting to get ready to ramp up to the next batch of big angles. But this this very much, again, felt like a bit of a filler episode. I debated the five, but um, I went five and a half. Yeah, if balls and versus anybody was a little bit better, I probably would have mm-hmm. gone five and a half, but I went five here. So fairly standard episode. Yeah, I'm curious again, just how much, I mean, it seems like they had obviously some new stuff in here, but they're clearly mm-hmm. trying to get back on the road to get some stuff filmed. So, and we would get there in our next episode, April 29th, 1997. Five years after the infamous Sublime song, <laughs> April 29th, <laughs> Where were you? Uh, we start with footage of the Candido incident from last week. We get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest, and we are on the outskirts of Boston tonight. So we had an incident mm. of Raven snapping going after Stevie Richards. They record Raven's segments in SVHS so they can do certain editing for him. And then they have to convert to beta. So we'll see if we either get it live tonight as the show goes or someone somewhere slapped in during post-production when they're able to get the conversion done. It's always just like, it's almost too much detail, but that's what makes it so great. You know right. what I mean? Like they're really letting us in on what's going on. And, and but everything like they do it to show us why we may not see it, why we may just get it thrown in randomly without commentary about it. It's just, I don't know. It just makes it feel more real. I, I had no idea if it was real. or not. <laughs> well, I think I had... the steps he's talking about is real. He's like, I'm sure okay. they filmed it in SVHS or whatever to, do all the special effects that they do when Raven talks. They do do a lot of special effects. And then you got to convert it, which was not easy in those days. So I think that's all real. Um, now, did he need to say it? No. Like, they could have cut it in with commentary over it by Joey, and no one would ever know the fucking difference. But it's, I don't know, it just makes it feel like they care enough to tell us, which is cool. <laughs> I, I feel like, I don't know, it was, uh, I feel like they recorded it and they thought, We'll see if we need this part or if we can cut it at the end of the show. And it just kind of made it in. No, I don't, I don't think so. They were always going to show it. All right. Uh, I'm with, I, I do enjoy the level of detail. It's a detail you don't need, but I'm glad it was there. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. All right. Go to our opening match, which does feature. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, hang on. We got a little bit more. Uh, he does say the big question is, did Raven push Stevie too far or has Stevie abandoned the BWO to rejoin Raven? And we'll have footage from Waltam Mass from last night. Mm-hmm. Now we go to the ring for our big match. It is the FBI full-blooded Italians taking on the Blue World Order. So two uh, legendary stables here go to war <laughs> inside mm-hmm. the Wonderland Greyhound Park. Mm-hmm. We're back mm-hmm. outside Boston. As the Blue World Order comes out, uh, we have the inchworm with him, but no Stevie for this one. So he's uh, missing in action. 
The FBI are uh, TV workhorses here right now, it seems like. <laughs> Rich is in the corner. We got Smothers and Greedo in the ring as usual. They do their shtick. The BWO comes out to the crowd. Signs still everywhere for them, so they're still pretty over. Rich rips the fans and the BWO. As Joey says, he may not speak Italian, but he still needs an interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> the very tolerant and not at all bigoted Boston fans are all over Guido here. As expected. <laughs> We get some long intros. We get going as Joey says, Meanie has the second worst Hispanic accent in wrestling. And if he had the first, he'd be a millionaire coming off taking a nap, which is just a great dick at Scott Hall. Guido and Nova start off by trading some holes and strikes, easing in. Smothers gets a tag and stalls a bit as Joey talks about these questions around Stevie. Meanie tags in, Smothers knocks him down. We go back and forth from there. Joey's exasperated over the FBI's dancing. Tarantella. The crowd is all BWO here as Meanie gets on a roll, cleans out the ring into a break, but of course he's winded. When we come back, Guido's all over Nova with strikes. The FBI quick tag and double team through some sustained offense, slicing off comebacks, but Nova stays in it, keeps kicking out. After taking a lot of offense, Nova dodges a splash to the corner, tags Meanie, comes in hot, cleans out the FBI. Nova comes back with a missile drop kick on Guido. Meanie hits smothers with a Meanie salt. But Rich ties up the ref. Rich then slugs Meanie with a foreign object and smothers covers. And the FBI finally win a match. So good on them. Good use of Rich as well. He's navigating and playing dirty, kind of bringing that veteran presence out there. So that was pretty good. Uh, both, I think both teams are acceptable within their roles. The crowd was digging it. The BWO is clearly still over, even without Stevie there. Maybe they're not a main event act, but they're still over enough to get some pops and, and work these matches works well as a gimmick too, Matt. So I went to an F stars, a very perfunctory match here at the Wonderland. Yeah, uh, fairly basic, but again, like the last FBI match we saw, a match that I think punched above its weight class. Like, I don't think it, you look at this on paper, I, I don't think two and a half, which is what I went on it to, was expected. But yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty great. I thought everybody worked really well. I liked how mm -hmm. they were playing to the crowd. I thought that was really well done. The crowd was hot at the, the Greyhound Park, this fucking building that we've seemingly been in every week for the past <laughs> six months. But uh, yeah, I, I thought everybody played their roles well. The FBI finally wins a match, so that's good. Uh, Meanie hits the Meanie Salt. I'll always pop for that. So yeah, two and a half for me, Johnny. Did they say uh, Smothers was from Nashville, Italy? Yes, they did. Yeah, I, I think that just describes their entire tag team because it does have that with uh, with Rich there. It does have that mm -hmm. Southern tag team feel. Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, you know, you got little Guido. So I, I like this weird ass mix of Southern and Italian. Um, it doesn't work, but it somehow does work. So um, I think Meanie and Nova are stepped down from. Um, what we saw last time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I went two and one quarter star, but I I like these matches in this crazy greyhound <laughs> snack yeah. room or whatever it is. <laughs> it's a cool know. setting. It definitely it, is. It really is. I I enjoy it a lot. I I always worry about them getting on the ropes because the the ceiling is right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then I kind of want to see somebody hit the ceiling too. So, um, maybe one day. All right, Joey's in the nest. He says this wouldn't have happened if Stevie was at ringside and wouldn't have happened uh, for sure. And Joey says he still doesn't believe that this footage will show Stevie has rejoined Raven. Paul makes Joey go to a break. It's interesting we get more of that, like Paul's direction off camera. Um, I guess they're trying to, I don't know, maybe because they know the, the big barely legal documentary is coming out or whatever. But mm -hmm. they seem to know that or um, 
feel like they're trying to show or be more open to Paul being mm-hmm. um, in on air, like producer or or being revealed as the owner of the company. So it definitely seems like it's something they're they're going for a bit more here. The Eliminators are backstage. Saturn brags on them being three-time tag team champions. It says the belts are where they belong. To be the ECW tag champs, you have to beat the best team in the world. And the path to victory was blocked is blocked by total elimination. Cronus does the Tutorial licks joke and giggles as usual. Uh, we then get a world premiere music video about the Eliminators. Jenny, any quick thoughts on this uh, section of the Eliminators here? They uh, they have a world premiere video. Yeah, music video. All right. Uh, okay. I didn't know that that happened, but okay. You didn't get the world know. premiere music video? No. Uh, did you see the world premiere music video? I, I, I did, yeah. Okay. Um, I love the Eliminators, so whatever. I'll watch any video they're in. Okay. Except for the one that you didn't watch, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it was very good. No, I did watch it. Uh, Matt? You liked it all, Anything else on the promo? Yeah, uh, Cronus uh, quoting the Tootsie Pop Owl was very weird to me. And look, Cronus is always very weird with some of the shit he says, but for whatever reason, this this one was very weird to me, just talking about uh, quoting the Tootsie Pop Owl. So uh, that was what I took from that promo, and the video was uh, really well done. I don't know what the original song was. I'm assuming it wasn't whatever they played on the on the cock, but uh, right, yeah, right. Very, very well done. All right, Joey's back. He tells us they have the equipment now to convert the Raven footage. You don't have that type of stuff in a mobile truck, just in a studio. So they had to get it brought into the truck here at the Wonderland. Uh, so more to come on this videotape. They, they had the Greyhounds pull the truck. <laughs> yes, they did. Fonzie, RVD, and Sabu are backstage. Fonzie complains about crooked officiating. He mentions Sammy the Bull Gravano. He says Sabu is ready to explode, and all the teams need to line up. He hates New York because it's filthy, and he'll make sure his team gets a fair deal this time. And he can't stand Taz either. RVD says he's coming to Queens. He's interested in exploring employment opportunities. It's only one hour from the tower. Sabu and Fonzie try to stop him, but he says he hasn't got a call back, and he can't be the star in any show. Sabu grabs him again. He says he'll be there on the weekends for them. Tell Sabu he's too tense. He's got his back. He can work Queens on Thursday and anywhere on Monday. RVD is so good in this. It's so smooth, the delivery. It's like his back and forth between wanting to still be buddies with Sabu and stay in ECW while also working Monday nights is just (laughs) really well done. Yeah, he's he's absolutely killing it. He's who thought this would have been the gimmick for RVD that (laughs) would have taken, Mm -hmm. you know? Like it just the instead of him being the cool guy, you know, now he's just no, I'm the asshole who wants to get paid. Like, right. It's it's just kind of wild to see uh, RVD's uh, evolution to this, and it's been fantastic. The line, he's only one hour from the tower, was fantastic. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it just just RVD is on fire right now, Jenny. Is any of this a shoot? <laughs> like, um. I mean, he he does wrestle like on Raw in here during this time a couple times. Mm-hmm. There's more to come where it's positioned that way. I got to think like there were probably some talks. I don't know if he was really ever thinking about leaving or not, but um, yeah, I mean, I would, maybe a smidge of realism in here. Yeah, I, it 
it sort of comes across, but I wondered if it was just me. Um, But, I mean, it's sort of brilliant, you know, because you can just, you can say that it's not, and that's your character, and you're really not, but you Mm kind of really are. So, I kind of really like that. (laughs) It's very sneaky. Um, And uh, I will say that this little trio, I don't know, do they have a team name? Um, I don't know. I was going to try to think of one. I guess I didn't, but... um, I would like a team name for these guys if they're going to stay together. High and dry. <laughs> high and, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something better for Sabu. High and fly? High and fly. I'm high and fly. High and fly. Okay. I like it. Broken All right. <laughs> <laughs> Joey says everybody's not kidding about Joey says everybody's not kidding about what he's saying because in the next match we are seeing from Waltam turned into an infomercial by RVD. (laughs) And that match is Rob Van Dam taking on Spike Dudley. Joey says Spike makes you and your wife want to invest in twin beds. RVD saunters out with Ponzi. He's all smiles. He's showing off as always. He always gets a good pop. RVD cuts off the announcer and makes sure he announces him as someone who's looking to move to Atlanta, Georgia or Stanford, Connecticut. (laughs) Just a great freaking gimmick there. Joey still wonders why these guys are angering Taz on purpose. RVD slugs away to start, mixing in some swift kicks. As Joey says, he's cockier by the day. RVD works through some offense, does it methodically, sauntering around. Spike takes advantage of some of the preening, gets a flurry, ends up flipping RVD to the floor with his legs. Spike meets him outside with a somersault plancha to a pop. RVD comes back with a great spin kick and hits a guillotine leg drop off the rail. The crowd chants for Joey. Uh, for Taz, Joey says RVD is just 26 years old. He's on the ground floor of an exploding promotion, but he wants to take the lazy way out instead. RVD nails the frog splash, shuts around instead of covering. And Joey says he's doing it all for the promoters that are watching. RVD slugs away. He's pissing off Joey Moore, who says this isn't the time to build a highlight reel. RVD eats a boot on a tumber, tumble salt splash. And Sabu follows with a bulldog and a top rope rana. Uh, Spike follows a bulldog and a top rope rana. RVD counters a bulldog, crotches Spike on the top, hits a springboard leg lariat, but poses again. RVD shoots Spike into a chair, the nails of the Van Daminator for the win. RVD beats up Spike after, and Sabu joins him in the assault, leg dropping Spike through a table on the floor as Fonzie's blowing the whistle. This was full-on squash shitty, but it was really well done. Uh, with RVD clearly showing off and just totally feeling himself. His arrogance off the chart. Really good character and angle stuff that they've been building up here. Sabu being a prick is a good fit, too. Just coming in and destroying the guy after for no reason. Uh, the whole package is just really strong, Jenny. I went two stars on the match, and I think RVD is becoming quickly my favorite guy. Squash city, my ass. Um, Spike is low-key hardcore. He's, like, doing the damn thing in this match. And this match is, like, perfectly placed where... Two of my, you know, like, sudden interests have a match together. So, uh, I really liked it. Like, I really liked it. I went two and a half on it. Um, look, if we're going to have Fonzie there, can we just not have the whistle? Because I can't. (laughs) I I have to, like, not listen to commentary because I can't do with the whistle. But, um, I like all the chairs, um, the chair work to uh, Spike's face um, quite a bit and I like the finish Um, I know it was a squash but I really liked Spike in this match Matt 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was very much a showcase match for RVD. Uh, very squash, heavy, uh, squash-like. Uh, Spike got a few hope spots in, but I mean, he he was pretty much he pretty much got his shit kicked for the entire match. So yeah, it was really well done. I thought RVD's character work was fantastic, and he continues to be great. So uh, I, I actually went two and a quarter on this. I went an extra quarter star for the uh, for RVD's character work. And, and I like the post-match that shows just how dangerous uh, RVD and Sabu are as a team by fucking killing Spike and putting him through a table. So yeah, two and a quarter. All right. <clears throat> Joel Gertner is in Hype Central doing his thing. He's mocking Terry Funk and hyping an extremely loose Beulah t-shirt, which is just $20. <laughs> It's the same funk pays Beulah for a good time when Tommy goes to bed. Uh, uh, Joel really digging in. We cut ahead to Tommy choking uh, Gertner out, telling him to stop making jokes. Spicoli comes in and tries to get a click dap and trolls Tommy, but Tommy threatens to break his fingers, and Louie drags Gertner away while laughing. So a very random segment here. It feels like they're trying to give Tommy something new, maybe, to get into a little bit. But uh, any real quick thoughts on Gertner here, Matt? Uh, Gertner, uh, great as always, borderline offensive, may I add, with some of the things he yes, said. Yes. Uh, I, I, I love that when, when he says, uh, <laughs> we were supposed to see funk footage, but they can't play black and white footage. On <laughs> I thought that was great, but, uh, yeah, and it's a big spot for Louie to, uh, seemingly mm-hmm. going to be feuding with Tommy, so we'll see how he handles that. I like, um, Joel's red um, necktie bow or whatever he's got around his <laughs> neck brace. That's that's quite a look. And I like this too. Um, I, instead of getting yet another funk video, I'm glad we did Hype Central instead. Um, it was borderline offensive, the Beulah stuff as well. Um, and I'm interested in a Tommy and Louie uh, feud. So this was fun. All right, back to the ring we go for our last match of the night, and that is Luis Piccoli taking on Chris Chetty. Joey says, everyone in wrestling said Louis just talks and never listens, and it looks like maybe that's true. Chetty gets a nice flurry to knock Louis outside as we hear from a pissed-off Tommy Jr. backstage. He says he respects some of the people that do that special hand signal, but he doesn't like Louis, and everything's a joke with him. And he got in Tommy's face, but Tommy's going to be the one to teach him a lesson. We clip back, and Louis hits the Death Valley driver, does the click hand signal again. Tommy comes out and blocks another DVD and DDTs Louis, then snaps Louis' fingers and smashes his hand in a chair. So not really much of a match, more of an angle, but it's pretty well done. It's uh, kind of a super microwave feud here to get them heated up. Mm-hmm. Uh, good diversion for Tommy, though, before he gets to something new. Maybe it elevates Louie a bit. The click thing is kind of out of the out of the blue, but, I mean, Spicoli was in the WF. I guess he was kind of loosely associated with, like, Hall and those guys. So it's pretty funny, but uh, I don't know, Jenny, any thoughts on this Tommy-Louie stuff and the, the brief match? I, I don't hate it. Um... I like Louie. I like Tommy. Um, seems like they might have some good matches. It just seems like we're just sort of dying in this sort of mid-card hell a little bit because <laughs> we hadn't even talked about, like, uh, much of anything on the other side. I don't know. I-, I would much rather see him do Raven things, I guess. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like a bit of a downgrade for Tommy. I, I agree with that, but I, I think it's purely designed to help Louie out because he's a guy who, mm-hmm. I mean, they obviously like because they featured him a lot. 
but he's just hasn't had that really big feud to kind of put him to the next level. So I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to do there. Here, let's put him in with Dreamer. And if this doesn't work, then who the fuck knows? But mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what it feels like to me. So Ravens backstage, he's holding a hammer, talks about pain and suffering and anguish. So he's had to deal with more of that than anyone should have to ever bear, suffering from his parents, his friends, and in every manner. He's sick and tired of the agony and anguish. And if his life on Earth is a living hell, then he's going to invite Dreamer, Funk, and Richards to join him. Raven snaps and says, fuck that. Says he's not going anywhere. (laughs) And starts yelling for Richards. In comes Blue Meanie, and Raven shoves him and calls him fat. Then he finds Stevie in the dressing area. Stevie puts up his fist, but Raven says they have one final mission together. Stevie mocks him, but Raven kicks him down and says he wants Stevie to take him out and end his pain. Raven screams and begs Stevie to end his life and end his misery. Stevie holds his head in pain as Raven hugs him and whispers for him to own pain to end. A very dark turn here as Raven basically asking Stevie to kill him, uh, taking him out of his misery. Raven really clocked him pretty hard and Steve just kind of lays there holding his head. So, Matt, this is uh, quite the little segment. Jesus Christ, this went places, didn't it? Good <laughs> Lord. We've seen a lot out of Raven, but even, I, I gotta say, even I wasn't <laughs> expecting this out of Raven. Good Lord, man. Like, he's acting like a child who didn't get what he wanted, so now mm-hmm. he's just gonna beat the shit out of Stevie. And uh, he wants him to end his pain and take him out. And then at the end, when he just keeps whispering, end my pain over and over with uh, Stevie's uh, head in his hand was uh, quite chilling. And uh, yeah, uh, Raven has uh, has reached a new high or or low, I guess. So we'll we'll see where this goes, because good. I don't know how they could possibly pay this off, but good Lord. Uh, so I was like, okay, we're doing like, um, Raven suffering. Okay. And then I'm like, yeah, me too, Raven. And then he's like, no, we're not doing that. We're not being emo today, friends. We're going to go kick somebody's ass. And then he just goes and <laughs> tries to get Stevie to just think about, I loved it. It was so awesome. It's another one of those twists. Stevie has been forgiven and now, um, Stevie has to kill Raven. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's the next step, <laughs> logically, um, because it's just too much misery. Um, this was fantastic, and I, I did think that Stevie got hurt, and that's why all he could do was lay there. <laughs> but it added to the scene, so hopefully <laughs> it didn't knock him too hard. All right, so our awards here. Uh, best match, I had the tag, the BWO and FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so, yeah. In worst match, RVD Spike. Yep. Sadly. Best moment, I went with the RVD Sabu Fonzie promo just because of how great RVD was in it. Yep. Yep. Most 90s, uh, yet again, gave it to the Wonderland Greyhound Park, but also <laughs> the Eliminators music video felt very 90s as well. I had um, Rich's Hard Rock Cafe jean jacket. Mm. Uh, Cronus quoting the Tootsie Roll Top Owl. Yes. <laughs> That's more 60s. But yes, well, <laughs> it did air a lot in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, stock Rising, I went the Eliminators, RVD, and Dreamer. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Louis? I don't know. Not yeah. quite ready for Louis yet. No? Yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks, but I don't know if we're quite there yet. Uh, falling, I went with Spike and the BWO, which feels like it's crumbling, sadly, even if, as they're kind of still at their peak. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would it, not it, put Spike on there, but it definitely feels like the BWO is kind of uh, <laughs> slowing to a crawl here. Mm. Final grade again. I felt this one was pretty down the middle, pretty average. Not a ton of stuff really happened um, of consequence. Like it's one of those ones that probably could have just skipped and been okay. So still a fun watch. It didn't suck or anything, but just nothing, nothing to you know seriously recommend. So five out of ten for me. I did uh, the uh, I did the five and a half on this one. I did too. Okay. All right, let's uh, get to our last episode of the night, and that is May sixth, nineteen ninety seven episode of ECW Television. Mm-hmm. We're in Asbury Park, New Jersey, this week. Yeah, we are. Yeah. All right. Quite the haunt. Down the street from Nikki's bar, Joey says the opening of the program has been ruined by Shane Douglas, who's in the ring talking shit. A local hero, Bam Bam Bigelow, Asbury Park's favorite oh, son, yeah. sitting in the front row. Bigelow is talking to officials, and Heyman says he's there as a spectator and a fan. Does want to be disrupted? Yeah, dude. We then get highlights of the gangsters, Eliminators, Dudley's three-way dance for tag team titles. Kind of the usual pure weapons chaos. The music is blaring. Revved up crowd losing it. All sorts of weapon shots and violence flowing through this. Saturn actually gets a Saturn bomb on Big Dick. Things spill out into the crowd all over ringside. The Eliminators are in control of the action in the ring. Joey knows that Bubba has a broken ankle but is still involved throughout. And he's taking a shit kicking. Mustafa puts Bubba on a table and Jack splashes him through it off the balcony. Just an insane spot. The Eliminators block Dick and uh, when he tries to double choke slam and finish him with the total elimination for the win. This felt like a standard brawl, but it was 24 minutes, the match, uh, and had a lot of heat from what we saw. The Eliminators continue to dominate, and they beat Dick clean, uh, and that's a nice win for them. So, Matt, any thoughts on the opening with Bigelow and Douglas and this uh, highlights of this triple threat? Yeah, uh, it looked great. The crowd looked molten hot for it. Uh, the balcony dive was on Bubba was absolutely insane. Uh, good Lord, New Jack. And uh, yeah, 2435 was the length of this match, which is what the ring announcer said. I mean, look, this looked really fun, mm-hmm. but I don't think a match like this should be going 24 minutes. No, I'm, this is one of the ones I'm, I'm okay with not having the full reissue shows. So yeah, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so because that probably it's one of those matches that I'm sure was fantastic being in the building, but watching it at home, I don't know, it probably would have been a slog. So but what we saw looked pretty great, Jenny. I don't know what y'all want. How how do you not want 24 minutes of extreme hardcore wrestling? Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here if y'all can't watch 24 minutes of this shit? It's just a lot of other stuff. I have ADHD. Like I, I can't focus on anything very long. Uh, I just feel like we've seen those matches so many times that like I'm just okay with it. I'm okay with not having 25 <laughs> minutes of walk brawling around the arena. But you miss all the six spots. We saw the six spots. I they're know, not going to not show us any six they're spots. Not. Any, right. Anything they're not showing us is probably not worth watching. As well, I guess. <laughs> all right, fine. Anything that sick would have clearly been, clearly been included. No shortcuts allowed. Opening animation brings us to Joey in the ring. He brings out Rick Rude to a pop. Rude's all smiles. He hits the ring and says they approach the dawn of a new millennium. ECW officials have decided the extreme style should boil to commentary, and he's the man for the job. He says he doesn't have the gifts of Joey, but he'll show us extreme wrestling from a wrestler's perspective. 
with a twist of rudeness. He'll add his own rude color to the commentary and promise a Shane and a slut that'll continue to fuck with the franchise. Uh, so I just ended up being a good direction. We talked about where they were going to go with rude from here. Uh, I think the big question is how Joey's going to adapt to suddenly mm-hmm. having a partner to share mm-hmm. space with. Um, you have to wonder, we talked about this, you know, with the pay-per-view company, remember wanting uh, Joey to have a partner at the pay-per-view and Paul stood his ground. So you wonder if they're capitulating a bit here to have more of a traditional setup mm-hmm. with a, with a duo. That said too, they probably were, Matt, you covered it in, earlier in the show. Like what is there for Rude to do if he can't wrestle and can't really get active. We've kind of seen him doing a lot already with Douglas. So I think this felt like a pretty natural transition and a good use of a guy who could talk like Rude and maybe add a little bit of credibility as we continue to develop the promotion more into a standard wrestling you know, show overall. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, if Rude's not going to wrestle, if he's not going to manage anybody, you, you can't just have a guy like Rick Rude sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. Right. So. It does make sense to put him in there with Joey. My main concern is Joey. Is it going to take away mm-hmm. from how good Joey has been? And he fucking called a three-hour pay-per-view by himself, for Christ's sake. So, you know, is it going to take away from just how great Joey is? I hope not. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, it, it makes sense to me to put him in the booth. Jenny? Yeah, like you guys. Um, at first, I was a little offended. Like, who the fuck does he think he is? Um I like Rick Rude, but um, I don't know if I want to hear him talk to me about ECW. I mean, that's Joey's job. But um, he seemed to be comfortable with Joey. Like, they seemed to have some rapport, like, immediately in the ring. Like, he, he doesn't seem like he's showboating, like, trying to overpower Joey in any way yet so it's encouraging but i'm concerned i think rude's the type of guy who works best in quick sound bites anyway so yes. like i don't think he's going to be the type of guy that like rambles on and eats a lot of time i think you know my guess is it's still gonna be like 80 percent joey and then like rude just kind of pinging in lines you know versus like a back and forth so i don't i just don't want them to fight you know right i, I don't want mm-hmm. him to be Rude to Joey. <laughs> right, right. Well, we'll see. I didn't mean to. I, I see what you did there. That was very good. <laughs> Why are you going to be so rude? <laughs> Joey and Rude are in the nest at Asbury Park. We get clips from earlier where Shane was barking at Bigelow. Joey says Shane has enough problems, and now he's going to deal with Bam Bam Bigelow as well. Rude says Shane would be a snack for Bigelow, and Shane must have flipped his wig when Lee cleaned Francine's belly button lint from the inside out. <laughs> Holy fuck. What an image. And Shane did nothing about it. He stood there with a plastic smile and pretending everything's hunky-dory. So he's either one kinky cat or he's a ball has the balls of a mouse. Joey says he also saw we saw Wing Kanamura from FMW here in Asbury. He took on Kevin Quinn, a wrestler with international experience. Wing won that one. Joey then talks about the rumors that are going around that Stevie is rejoining Graven soon. Stevie's ignoring all interviews and appearances. Rude says he's pulled the root cam from the booties on the boardwalk and he's hitting the locker room to investigate. So after seeing this, Jenny, were you feeling better about Rude in the booth? I feel like you had it. Automatically, the belly button line. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what we're doing. I'm here for it. <laughs> That shit destroyed me. I've never heard that before. Is yeah, that that's quite the line. I never heard. I don't. That's I don't not a thing I say in daily life. <laughs> it will be. We're yeah. gonna get it over. 
because that was awesome so and then the balls of a mouse i was like okay i don't know i kind of enjoy that too because that's dumb but i like it so yeah super encouraging so far matt Oh, that's why they put the TVMA <laughs> title card at the front right. of this episode. Now it makes perfect sense. Good Lord, Rick Rude. Like, he he had that one in the holster for a while, I think. He was sitting on that one for mm-hmm. a while, just waiting to say it at some house show or somewhere, <laughs> perhaps at the Greyhound Park. He was going to go there and say it. But no, no, I'm going to say it on national television instead, in syndicated television. Uh, good Lord. Uh, yeah, it's a great line. If they keep Rude to this like these quips these one-liners you know basically being a much better version of what jerry lawler is to jim ross like if they keep him to that i i think he'll do he'll be much more tolerable i i just don't want him to take away from what joey does so if he keeps doing stuff like this i think root will be perfectly fine in this spot all right the root cam bangs on the bwo door but we get no answer Joey says we'll get comments from Stevie before the end of the show. We revisit, revisit Raven confronting Stevie from last week. The Rude Camp catches Meanie heading to the locker room, but he backs them off. He says this is personal, and he needs five minutes alone with his buddy. We then head to the ring, where Corporal, Corporal Punishment is back, taking on Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer and Beulah storm out. Rude is into Beulah, of course. Big uh, Corporal Punishment back again with his camo. See if he takes another beating. Rude tells Corporal to stop turning his back on his opponent, already adding some insights. Dreamer's laser-focused. He lands a close on. We go to break. We come back. And Louis Spicoli's in the ring, beating Dreamer with a cast on his hand. Spicoli launches some sort of pole and flies it into the crowd, which is very dangerous. <laughs> Dreamer's bleeding as Louis sets up a table. Rude uh, says Tommy's taking an ass kicking right in front of his woman. Louis puts him through the table and spits on him, then walks off doing the click symbol. Joey thinks he's sending a message to his old friends and angering the dressing room of ECW in the process. Rude says his career is cut short due to things like this. Pretty good segment. Uh, Louis on point lately. The heel turn has been good, I think, uh, to get things jump-started for him, Jenny. Uh, no match or no grade. But I, I like the angle between Dreamer and Louis continuing on. Yes, I like this for, for a lot of reasons because you can kind of hear Rude, you know, how he's going to be sort of during a match. And I liked it. It was encouraging, you know, Good stuff, one-liners, like we said. Um, so good stuff there. And then Beulah looking oddly classy in her pantsuit tonight. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Maybe she's <laughs> getting a little too classy for the arena. I don't know. Usually she's uh, a little bit more slutted out. So um, I, I like Tommy um, bleeding here and Louie looking pretty badass so i enjoyed it matt yeah uh first of all thank god they cut a corporal punishment match short because <laughs> I, I i never need to see this man ever again he's quite terrible uh, dreamer just be- beats the bag out of him for like three minutes and then when we come back spicoli's in the ring so perfect uh yeah they are they are definitely trying to uh, make spicoli into a thing here the way he just takes dreamer out with the cast busts him open gives him the spicoli driver i thought it was really well done and i mean he's taken out a guy like tommy dreamer so i mean i i think it kind of not maybe not immediately but it certainly puts louis on the map which is something that i think he needed because he's very good at what he does so uh, mm-hmm. yeah this is a really good segment here all right, Joey and Rude reset us in the nest. He said Louie's made his mark and this won't go unanswered. Rude says Louie is bit off more than he can chew with Tommy and Funk is backing him up. 
Rude talks about Beulah's ass, and Joey's just nervous about everything going on right now with Rude. <laughs> we then go to Hype Central. Joel Gertner's doing his thing. He says he knew for 14 months that Joey needed a partner and says it should have been him and not Rude. Rude asks what uh, what that was, and he's laughing, and Joey says he's lost control of the show. We cut back to Gertner. says Joey's hopeless, but he found out that even though Lee sold out, there'll be a new member of the Triple Threat, and we'll see shortly, and they'll be coming for Rude. Gurner says Rude hangs out at the Tattoo Tavern and can easily be found since all the washed up former athletes hang there as well. <laughs> Rude is laughing, corrects Gertner. Gertner answers and escalates and says that he can get Rude too. And he fires up Rude's music and Gertner starts stripping. <laughs> He's cut to Joey and Rude who are laughing and grossed out. Um, and look, I do like Rude in the way they're using him, but it feels like we went real heavy out of the gate with Rude. On we episode. did, yeah. And, yeah. and we, we know Heyman loves him, I mean, from the Dangerous Alliance days, et cetera, so whatever. But it feels like they just are all in on him as a presence on the show. And, uh, you know, we'll see. If, as for a guy that – is he going to stick around? Is he not? Like, putting all the eggs in the presentation basket of Recruit, mm-hmm. is it the right right play? But uh, what do you think of all this, Matt? Yeah, th- this th- this was a bit much. Like n- now we're getting Gertner involved with Rude, and uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this uh, this this didn't really work for me. It kind of just felt like it was there to kind of kill time on this show. Like uh, unless fucking Rude and Gertner are gonna have a match, which I can't imagine <laughs> ever, ever happening. Like w- why is this here? <laughs> you know, I-, I mean, Gertner was great at what he does, and Rude, you know, did have a couple of good one-liners, but. I don't know. This didn't really need to be here. And like you said, we are going very heavy on recruit on this episode. And I, I think this is where it's like, all right, you know, let's, let's, let's tone it down a bit. Right. I mean, yes. Um, <laughs> but it was good. It was funny. Like I liked it. It's a, it's a lot. Yes. But, um, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a match, but maybe there's something to this. I don't know. Maybe not. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it just may be, yeah, just two announcers bickering right now. You know what I mean? Like, and, and nothing more, but I'd Lee Marshall him, and Bobby Heenan or whatever. Right. Yeah, he could fight with Joel. Just don't fight with Joey. Right. All right, the Rude Cam goes back to the locker room at the BWO. They catch TV shoving Meanie and calling him a fat ass. Poor <laughs> Meanie. Uh, we didn't get another Funk classic moment. It's the press conference of the Knights of the Line was crossed in 94 with Shane Douglas and Funk, which started our whole journey, Jenny. So Jenny's journey. Oh, yeah, Seriously, I remember. Never... <laughs> All right, we then head to the ring for our final match. Out comes Shane Douglas and Francine. Shane is still mocking Bigelow as Rude is talking trash on them. Gets horny for Francine. Shane gets a mic and rips on the fans of Asbury and Bigelow and tells everyone to sit up and shut up. And then calls out Balls Mahoney, saying the fans will see him swinging chairs tonight. And says the Balls comes with a chair. Shane and Fran are walking. And that is our match. It's just Shane Douglas taking on Balls Mahoney. We cut to Tommy outside on the rocks. He issues a warning to Spicoli. Says he stepped up and took him out. But Tommy will make sure he drowns in his own blood. Whenever he turns, Balls is inside swinging a chair. Shane and Francine take off. Shane gets a mic. It reminds Balls again that if he doesn't put the chair down, he's heading to the penthouse and there'll be no title shot for him. Shane gets to the ring and Balls smashes the ref instead with the chair. Shane buries Balls with a baseball slide dropkick as he plays to the fans and then gets to work while also trash-talking Bigelow. Balls blocks a suplex with the apron. He spikes Shane across the top rope instead. Balls cranks a tight side headlock as Rude tries to identify that she has herpes chant and says, I hope she doesn't. Balls works the arm to the shock of Joey. He works that for a while, dodging comebacks. Balls snaps over a nice power slam and grabs a chair, but Francine gets on the apron. 
Ball swings at Francine, and then Shane kicks him low, hits an atomic drop, and drop kicks him in the nuts. Shane works the groin as Rude says Balls has had this in hand until he turns back again. Shane keeps kicking and hammering the groin as Rude talks about beating Warrior Sting and Flair due to using his dirty bags of tricks like Shane's doing now. Shane's pummeling the balls of Balls here, but he can't finish. So Balls comes back with a hard clothesline and a belly-to-belly. Balls turns his back again, and Shane smashes him with the belt, but he comes back with a thrust kick. He grabs a chair, but Francine steps in front of Shane. Shane scampers away as Chris Candido comes out, pulls the chair away, and smashes Balls with it. Bigelow gets in the ring to a pop and shoves Douglas and Candido away, but of course, as you'd expect, he turns on Balls and reveals himself to be the newest member of the Triple Threat. Out come the Pitbulls. We get a big brawl to wrap up, but Bigelow just watches and then stares down the Pitbulls as we fade out. Uh, match was kind of weird uh, with different offense, with balls, balls, balls based offense. Uh, <laughs> balls definitely look kind of stupid at times. Um, and there, especially at the end with Bigelow, I mean, it was pretty obvious. Anyone could see what was coming. Uh, but a pretty big spot for him to be involved with the triple threat being established against him. The post match is well done. The triple threat is now whole. I, as much as I like Lee, you know, I think this is an upgrade with Bigelow. For sure. I think he's just better in the ring. So I think they'll be able to do more and be more versatile as a group. Uh, so nice big uh, time addition here. Uh, two stars in the match, Jenny, and I really like the moment. Yes, I would agree that Bigelow is an upgrade from Brian Lee. Uh, but this match was pretty fucking boring, other mm. than all the shit, um, the, the shit talking and blah, blah, blah. But like the wrestling was not great. Um, Shane bumps around a little bit, but I don't know. It was kind of lame uh i gave it two stars just for the story and the big turn from bam bam yeah yeah i'm right there with you guys i went two stars on this too just a very like slow plotting methodical match felt very house show to me mm-hmm. like at, at one point there was a long arm lock by balls that just kind of killed the flow of everything just a super slow match which is a thing we've been seeing out of shane lately i hope that doesn't become the norm and mm-hmm. we start to see the old chain again because I, I like the old chain i don't like this chain <laughs> but uh yeah the mo the moment with bam bam uh joining the triple threat is fantastic and, mm-hmm. and honestly the match is almost secondary and mm-hmm. uh, uh i am very excited to see bam bam I, I was wondering when we were going to see him I, I knew it was coming i didn't know how early or when so uh, i'm glad he's here and i am looking forward to watching bam bam just fuck people up yeah all right <clears throat> final set of awards here tonight before we wrap up best match uh i, I mean i went with mahoney douglas so we didn't really have much else option yep right <laughs> Uh, worst match, I went Dreamer and Corporal Punishment. Yep. yep. Best moment, I gave it to uh, a tie. I went to Bigelow joining the Triple Threat and Spicoli attacking Dreamer, which was really good with the cast. I went Bam Bam. Yeah, I went Bam Bam. All right, most 90s, I went the Rude Cam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stock Rising, I went Eliminators, Rude, Spicoli, and the Triple Threat. Yep. Yeah, I think that's everybody. Mm-hmm. And sock falling, I had uh, corporal punishment yet again, and poor Blue Meanie he just keeps getting called fat and Aww, shoved out of rooms. Yeah. Poor Meanie. All right, final grade. Uh, this is the best one we saw tonight, um, but still, you know, behind most weeks, still felt a little low stakes. Other than the end, feels like we're recalibrating. I'll be curious our next batch because I think it's going to follow an arena show. So 
I'm hoping we kind of get back on track with our, you know, see more of our stars and storylines push forward. So I went six out of 10 for this one. I'm right with you. Six out of 10. Same six out of 10. We're still in this weird, like filler periods. Like you said, Mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully uh, post ECW arena show, we get stuff with some more meat on the bones. Yeah. I'm definitely hoping we, we pick up business a little bit. Um, going forward here but uh that said a pretty good set of episodes uh we are now clearly you know past barely legal uh we're going to be into the summer at the end of our next episode we're going to cover four more weeks of tv so we'll see how things play out hopefully we'll get a little bit uptick in in performance and uh you know output overall as is uh, as usual though these are still really uh enjoyable program and um product overall so you guys Agree, you feeling all right coming up really legal? You still uh, enjoying the direction? Jenny, does this feel like not too big of a dramatic shift for you in the overall presentation? Well, when you think about it, it's it's a lot different, but um, not. It still it still has more of that ECW feel than not at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it it feels a little more polished, like. For instance, like the ring looks better and the lights look better and stuff like that, but it it does still have that like that grime to it, that mm-hmm. ECW grime right. to it. Yes. So uh, that that's good. And if they just keep the real great production to pay per view, I think that would make sense to me. And you know, keep that again the ECW grime to the weekly TV shows. I think that would be good because it, it's still. I mean, the episodes weren't the best that we talked about tonight, but it did still have that ECW feel. Definitely. All right, that'll do it for us. We will be back two weeks from today with another month worth of ECW television. Be sure to check out everything we have to offer on our family of networks here. PlaySpation Wrestling Feed, PlaySpation Pop Experience, this very feed right here, the North-South Connection Podcast Network, featuring Jenny Position each and every Wednesday. Tons of content coming at you pretty much every day across all networks. Appreciate all the support that each and every one of you provide to us and all the sharing, subscribing, and socializing. We'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Stay extreme. Take care.